All right, uh, open the Word of God to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28 this morning. I'll bring you greetings from our church in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, this church here has, has been supporting Loretta and I for so many years. As we have traversed the, the world over, um, this church began to support us when we lived in Sweden. And uh, from Sweden, we went from Sweden to, to Finland, from Finland to, to Switzerland, from Switzerland to Norway, from Norway to uh, Iceland, from Iceland to Scotland, and from Scotland we've also planted churches in Argentina and in the Philippines and, uh, and Spain. And so everywhere we've been throughout the world, this church has gone with us on that journey uh, through your giving and through your prayers, and I want to thank you for all of that. And then at the end of this journey, or at least at the, as the journey has come back around, the Lord has brought us back to the United States uh, and has allowed uh, Loretta and I to actually take over uh, our home church from which we were sent out. Uh, we were sent out of a church called Agape Church in Little Rock, Arkansas, pastored by a man for many years named Happy Caldwell. And uh, that's right, Pastor Caldwell has recently uh, transitioned into a full-time television ministry, and Loretta and I have succeeded him and his wife as the new pastors of Agape Church. And we've been there in place for the past 18 weeks, and uh, it is a wild ride, and we're enjoying ourselves. <laughs> It's interesting to be back home. You know, we've learned a lot of languages everywhere we've gone, and now we get to relearn Arkansan, which is quite, an adjour- or it's just quite a journey. And, uh, but uh, Loretta's actually a California girl. Uh, she is from a little place called Antioch. You guys know where Antioch is at? Right around Oakley area up north. And, uh, and so, but I am an Arkansas boy, and uh, that's okay, right? There are some, at least a few good things that come out of Arkansas, not everything that you know of that's come out of Arkansas has been good, but this one has been good. I won't say any more than that. We found Matthew chapter 28 yet. All right, Matthew 28. This is what we call the Great Commission. We call this Great Commission because it is not the Great Suggestion. Thank you for your enthusiasm. All right, now Jesus gives us a commission here. Uh, And of course, this is the great missionary uh, uh, verse of Scripture that we all know quite well. We're going to start reading in verse 18. The Scripture says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Everybody say, all power. You'll notice something very interesting, that when the Bible says all, if you look that word up in the English, in the Greek, in the Hebrew, or in Swahili, it doesn't matter. The word all means all. Jesus says, All power has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then he says, Go you therefore. The next verse, go you therefore, the word therefore is a, dele- a word that means delegation. He has delegated this authority because he has authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, based upon that, then we go forth and we make disciples out of all nations. You know, quite honestly, I think when we read this verse of scripture, when Jesus says all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, we could almost close the Bible right there and say, you know what? When he says all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, we should be able at that point to say, If all authority has been given to him, then there is no authority in the hands of the devil. Do we believe the word? Is that what the word says? All right. So then if it's true what he said, and we know that it is, then the only authority that the enemy has in the earth is the authority that we give him. This is going over really well. Can you feel the love in the room? I'll just say that again, because as a matter of fact, that was was actually pretty good. If all authority has been given to Jesus, and we believe that to be true because he said it, then the only authority that the devil has is the authority that we give him. 
You know, I, I still believe in the God of the Bible. I still believe in a God that can do everything that He declared that He can do. I still believe in a God that can raise the dead. Do you? I still believe in a God that speaks things that are not as though they were. I still believe in a God who calls things that were at one point into being. I believe in a God who still raises the dead and can cause the sun to stand still. Do you believe that? See, I still believe that God is still able to do today everything He's always been able to do. The Bible actually says this, that the Lord, He says, I am the Lord, I change not. So I believe this then, if He doesn't change, and everything He's done at one point, we should see Him doing today. I just got to help myself this morning, excuse me. Amen, Pastor Scott. Woo! Praise the Lord. This guy's good. All right. The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord, doesn't it? All right. Now let's just think about this for a moment. Jesus says all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. How many of you live on the earth? Every one of us. So if he has all power and authority on the earth and then he delegates that authority and power to us, then ladies and gentlemen, we need to begin to see happening what the Lord wants to see happen. I am... I am tired of seeing the devil kill people in high schools. I'm tired of seeing the devil have his way in this earth, whether it be tornadoes. We had just in Arkansas recently, we had two tornadoes that came through. Maybe you read about this and almost wiped out two cities. We have been given authority in this earth. It is time that we begin to use the authority that the Lord has given us and to take back what that, that which has been stolen from us. If all authority has been given unto us, we need to make sure that we begin to use that authority then that's been given to us. You know, it's almost like, it's almost like revelation and reality haven't caught up with each other yet. You know, we say in this room that we believe that all authority has been given to us in heaven and earth. We say we believe that in the name of Jesus we can raise the dead and we can calm the storms and stop the sun. We believe that, right? If we really believe that, then why are we not seeing it happen? I'm what I call a spiritual pragmatist. In other words, I'm a spirit man, but I also believe that what I believe in the spirit should have some type of a tangible result somewhere. And if what I say I believe, I never see, how many know something's wrong? I cannot believe everything the book says and never actually live what the book says. You know, we have a tendency in America to take a very Greek approach to the, uh, to the scriptures. <laughs> I point at my friend over here for unspoken reasons. Um, I used to, whenever I was raised in a very denominational setting, we used to have prayer meetings. And I know we're having a prayer, uh, I'm teaching on prayer tonight, but we have, uh, we have uh, uh, prayer meetings, and they would we'd go around the circle, and people would say what their prayer requests would be, and several people going around the circle would say, "I have an unspoken request." You ever heard that before? <laughs> I remember this as a little boy growing up. We'd sit around a circle, and you'd go around. There's ten of us, and seven would say, "I have an unspoken request." How do you pray for that? <laughs> How do I pray for an unspoken request? Okay, I'm digressing here. All right. 
What was I saying before I got off on that? Oh, the Greek deal. That's right. Okay, it's my Greek friend over here. At any rate, <clears throat> you know, we have a tendency of saying, you know, what, what does, you know, we go around a circle and say, okay, what does that verse mean, mean to you? What does that verse mean to you? What does that verse mean to you? How, and, we, and we kind of pull out of this what it means to us. And, 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 and praise God that the Word of God can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. However, how many understand there is one right answer? Two plus two cannot equal four for you, seven for you, 11 for you, 15 for you. Two plus two does have a right answer. And in the Middle East, we don't, in, in the Middle East, in the, in the context when the book was written, they don't ask, even to this day, they don't ask questions sitting around a group. They don't say, what does this verse mean to you? How do you feel you, this wor- works for you? What do you, believe that it, how, what do you believe it means? They don't ask that question. They do ask questions, but they don't ask questions like that. The question they ask is this. They say, how do you do that verse of Scripture? See, because at the end of the day, they don't care what you believe unless you're doing it. Because if you you believe something, yet you're not doing it, then you really don't believe it, do you? If we really believe something to be true, then there should be a natural outworking of that in our life. I can stand up here all day long and say, I believe that everything that God has done before, He can do again. And if I never see anything happening, then something, ladies and gentlemen, is wrong with this picture. We have to begin to put a demand on the Spirit of God, put a demand on the presence of God, demand on the Word of God, and begin to pull out of this earth what God intended that you and I would rule and reign over. If the Bible says, and it does, that we, are, we, are, that we rule and reign in life, that hurt, in life... <laughs> The scripture does say that we rule and reign in life, in Christ Jesus. What does that look like? How many understand that ruling and reigning is what kings do? All right? And it says that we rule and reign not in the life to come, but in this life. Are we the head and not the tail? Above only and not beneath? Then why do we live under such circumstances instead of rule over them? There should be nothing happening in our life that you and I do not have the authority to get out from under or to change. Why? Because we have been delegated the power and the authority of the name of Jesus. That when we speak something, things should happen. How many are tired of saying something and not seeing a result? Or praying something and not seeing an answer to your prayer? That is not how we live our lives. The way we live is we decrease something and then it happens. You know, the the people that we read about in this book, this book we call the Bible, they seem to live at a level that we only desire, that we only dream about reaching. I I just mentioned a few moments ago about I believe in a God who still stops the sun. Think about that. Joshua, he looked up and he told the sun to stand still. How many know God has not lost the recipe for doing something like that? You know what I'm saying? He can still do that. But get this. Joshua was not born again. Joshua was not filled with the Holy Ghost. And he did not have the King James Bible. He had his Greek version. Of course he did not. No, he didn't. He didn't even have the prophets. He didn't have the Psalms. 
All he had was the law that Moses written down in Hebrews chapter 11 says he stopped the sun, or actually it says he conquered Jericho by faith. We look at people like Joshua, we look at people like David, we look at people like Moses and Noah, and we long to live in the power and the demonstration of the Spirit that they lived in, and they, the Bible says, long to see our day. Why? Man, they stopped mouths of lions. They spoke, they, they, Moses split the Red Sea. He hit it, or he held out his staff and parted it with his hand. It went hither and thither. Is that funny? I don't understand why that's funny. That's what the scripture says. It went hither and thither. The Jordan River, every time a prophet walked by, it, went, it, didn't, know, it didn't know whether to go thither or thither. It just kind of went everywhere. Every time a prophet walked up to it, they'd slap the Jordan and it would part. I mean, they, had, they walked in authority and power, but I still believe in a God who can split another Red Sea. And I, I don't, I'm not content just to read about Moses' story. I want to write my own. And it's time for us not to be content just to read somebody else's story. We have to get on the inside of us that it is time for us to pen our own epistle, to write our own story. Because if we're only content with day old man, if we're only content with somebody else's story, then the God of the Bible does not manifest himself today. We should say it and it should happen. I mean, in the Old Testament, they, they would say stuff without even praying about it. How about that? Elijah, Elijah would say, okay, you know what? You got a bad attitude. Ahab, no rain for three years. And then you walk away. Speak it and just walk away. And it didn't rain. God listened to the voice of his people. I think God is looking for someone just to step out there and to believe him. Have you ever noticed that fruit typically does not grow at the trunk of a tree, typically? It's typically out on the limb. When you've got to get away from the trunk... Out on the limb where it's kind of bending like this, where you feel a little bit unsecure, that's where the fruit is going to be at. When you get away from th- some things that you believe are, are secure, and you get out there in a place called faith to where God can begin to use you in a way you've never been used before. You have creative power in the words that you speak out of your mouth. You have healing that has been deposited on the insides of your hands. You have faith that has been birthed on the inside of your heart. Why? Just so you can have a nice little party with us four and no more? No, so we can change the world. You have been put here, as well as I have been put here, to change the world. God intends for us to be the manifestation of His glory wherever we go. Unfortunately, we become content with what we have, and we don't push ourselves to move forward from that. Somebody says, well, I don't, what if I do it, what if I say something and it doesn't happen? You, remember, you, know, you, you thought of that before? People say, well, I don't want to let God down. Ladies and gentlemen, you cannot let God down because you are never holding Him up. God is the one who's holding you up. And He created you before the foundation of the world. He saw you in your mother's womb before you were ever created. And God knew you and He called you. He yada. He had that knowing of you before you were ever born. You have a purpose. And a destiny to fulfill. Every last one of us do. No one is here by accident. 
But you're not here just to occupy space. You're here to change the world. I was a little boy. When we started our church in Sweden, I've told the story here before in the past, I don't remember when it was. I've been here for over 20 years. At some point I've told this story, I know. I, when I, we started our church in, in, in Sweden, I, I, had, I wanted to call it a certain name, and I felt I should call it the word agape. And, and I didn't want to call it the word agape because nobody can pronounce it. It's either agape, which means a mouth wide open. It, it, it means agape. It means something else. You, t- and you have to explain it to everybody. No, it's a Greek word. Oh, you're a Greek Orthodox church. No, I'm not a Greek Orthodox church. It's a, sometimes it's going to be a big, big mess. I wanted to call my church something like Lightning Bolt Church. You know, something like, just really felt, mm. I mean, some type of, yeah, type church, you know. If I could just write out and just go, ah, that type of church. <laughs> just something really cool sounding. You know, but of course, it's hard to have a real cool sounding church in Swedish. You know, it's really hard to have a yeah sounding church in Swedish. <laughs> that wasn't Swedish. I was just playing with you. So, so I named it this. I had no idea why I named it this, and and um, started the church there at the ripe old age of twenty four years old. Long story short, I turned the church over to my associate pastor named Sven. Everybody say Sven. You're good, you're Californians, you can say it. People in Oklahoma can't say that. My associate pastor, Sven, he attended Rama Bible Training Center in, in Tulsa, and no, no, no one there could say his name. They used to call him Seven. And, uh, yeah, they, they called him Seven. They would, they would say Seven, Seven, and eventually Seven became Seven. And, uh, and one guy used to call him Fence, and I still don't know how that happened. Heaven and fence. So I turned it over to Sven, and I went to the next country, went over to Finland, and right after I left, this guy, this Norwegian pastor comes along, and this Norwegian pastor comes along, and, and he says, I've been watching this church since the day it was born. And he visits the church, and he says, I've been watching the church since the day it was born. When our church in Sweden started, it was national news. It was in the big, it was in all the newspapers, like in the USA Today and all that. It was a big deal when our church started. And, um, and so... It, all of Scandinavia was reading about our church in, 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 this, in, in Fulda, in the place where we had it. And this Norwegian pastor comes to visit, and, and he begins to tell Sven, he begins to tell him a story, and he says, I've been watching this church since the day it was born for this reason. He said, years ago, there was a great charismatic outpouring of the Spirit that took place in Scandinavia, and it started here in, in our city. And he said, after a few years, it kind of began to fall apart, and we were working to hold it together, me and a few other evangelists. And he said, and it just, it, we began to lose it. And the Lord spoke to me very clearly and said, don't worry, I have another move of my spirit planned for this place and you'll recognize it when it shows up because it will carry the name Agape on it. And he said, when this church started, started, I knew that this is what God had promised. This was the place that God had said would be the catalyst for revival once again in the nations of Scandinavia. And he told Sven the year the Lord told him that and I was four years old when the Lord said that. Sven was two years old. And I realized at that point, like no other time in my life, I have a purpose and a destiny. But whether or not I fulfill that purpose is not up to God, it's up to me. See, God has equipped us, overqualified us for this job that we have to do. It is to bear His glory and to reveal His his person to everyone who will listen and everyone who will pay attention to it. Can you say amen to that? So the, the, we, we have to understand that. We, 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 we desire with everything in us that the manifest presence of God be in the earth. But there are a few things that, that maybe we don't quite understand. Go back up to this verse of Scripture. 
And let's look at it again. It says, Go you therefore, because of this authority, because of this power that's being given unto me. And as, and as you're doing this, I just want you to get in a, a mode that when you pray, I want you to pray and expect God to answer your prayer, not tomorrow, not next week, but now. Right now. That when I pray it, it happens right now. This is, this is very elementary. I'm not telling you something that you don't already know. But I just want to encourage you to put the expectation there that my prayer is answered now. God is now, right now. It goes on to say this, Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. So Jesus says, Because of this authority that's been given unto me, I'm delegating it to you for you to go and to teach everyone the things I have commanded you you. Everything that I have already commanded you, I want you to teach them. You know, and I say that because as a missionary for so many years, this kind of being the, 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 the linchpin or scripture or the cornerstone scripture that we use, in this verse of scripture, there's something very telling in here. The Bible says this, Jesus says, go and teach men the things that I have taught you. One thing I've noticed, especially in our circles, the Word of Faith circles, I've noticed that we hear a lot about about the teaching of Jesus, but we don't really hear Jesus' teachings taught very much. We hear a lot of Paul's teachings taught, a lot of Peter's teachings, a lot of James' teaching, but we don't hear a lot of the teachings of Jesus actually taught. We hear them referenced to, or maybe them, maybe a little bit, but not actually what did Jesus teach. Because sometimes when you read what Jesus taught, it is like... You know, you know what I'm talking about? Maybe some of you are saying, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Jesus, Jesus, sometimes Jesus' teachings will really slap you, it sounds like. Listen, the reason I'm saying that is because most of Jesus' teachings revolved around the fact that there is a king who has a kingdom. And this, we have to become more kingdom-minded than we are just... Um, let, me, let me put it this way. If you ask someone what the good news is, most people will tell you the good news is, and then they'll tell you that Jesus died for our sins... He was buried, raised from the dead, and he ascended into heaven, and those who believe in him are saved. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the doctrine of salvation. That is not the gospel. The gospel is an overarching mindset that there is a kingdom in which you and I belong, and we have a king who rules and reigns in the kingdom. You see, everybody wants a savior, but very few people want a lord. And either he's both or he's neither one. You see, and that's the whole mindset that in a kingdom you have a Lord who, who, guess what, doesn't ask you your opinion. Let that sink in just a minute, all right? As Americans, sometimes it's hard for us to think because we all have an opinion. Okay. We all have an opinion about things. And, you know, that's why... That's why you can, you can go to, you can research this on any, on any uh, search engine you want to look at. Go and look how many Christian denominations there are in the world. So you might want to hazard a guess as to how many Christian denominations there are in the world. There are between 35 and 40,000. Not 3,504,000, 3, but 35,000 and 40,000 Christian denominations. Why? Because... It means 7 to you, and 10 for you, and 12 for you, and 14 for you. Ladies and gentlemen, there is one right answer to a question. 
Isn't it great we have a book who actually gives right answers to questions? And we can find solidarity and unity in the fact that we all live in a kingdom and we have a king. And everybody says, oh Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Are we really ready for the arrival of the kingdom? Because when the kingdom arrives, the king is with it. And the king governs and he rules in his kingdom. And you and I are subjects in this kingdom and we follow the dictates of the king, removing ourselves from the equation. I did not choose to be a pastor or a minister. I, my occupational choice before I answered the call was that, uh, that was, it was millionaire. That was, what I, that was my occupational choice. That was my choice. That was what I was choosing. But at the end of the day, when you, my life does, how many understand you've been bought with the price? Let me ask that one more time. How many understand you have been bought with the price? You see, and I I bought this tie with the price. At least I think it is. It may have been given to me, but nonetheless, it's mine. I wear this tie when it's my pleasure to wear, wear this tie. It does not, when I open the closet, it does not talk to me and say, wear me today. If it did, we'd have a different story here this morning. I'd be doing some, I wouldn't be wearing it, first of all, because... But I own these clothes that I'm wearing and I determine when I use them and when I don't use them. Why? Because they belong to me. You do not belong to yourself. The idea that we belong to, this idea, you heard this before, well, we're free moral agents. You are not. The day you got born again is the day you gave up every right to make any decision for yourself. We're talking about living in a kingdom that has a king who makes the rules and tells you how to live your life. Everybody wants a Savior. Very few people want a Lord. You see, when you submit yourself to the authority of the King in this kingdom, everything begins to change. The way I speak now is told to me how I speak. What does the Bible say? It says, let no corrupt communication come forth out of my mouth. It tells me how to think. Whatever things are, are good and wholesome, think about these things. It actually tells you how to think, how to speak, and then with that comes the authority and the power to change the world and to manifest who God is and everything he desires to do in our life. A king has a kingdom. Are you ready for the kingdom? If you're ready for the kingdom, then you're ready for the king. If you're ready for the king, then you're ready for the lordship of the king in your life to where you give up your authority. You give up how you're going to vicariously use your finances. When, we, when, when Rudd and I do different things, we make sure that we, we pray about what we're going to get. We pray about the type of car we're going to buy. We, we pray about every little thing like that. Why? Because I have given up the rights of my life and praise God, it's the most freeing thing in the world. When, when, you, when you surrender yourself to God and everything He has for you, it is the most freeing thing in the world. Because now I live in the fullness and the freedom of the Spirit of God in my life. And I know that many of you do as well. And of course, I'm not preaching to you. I'm just preaching to the cameras out here uh, this morning. Just for you to feel more comfortable. Jesus says that he says, go into all the world and to make disciples. This, this is a part of this prescription for us. The objective here is to change the world. I believe this verse of scripture should be the, it should be the actual vision of every church. Every church may have a different way of expressing that. Some might have television, some might have radio, some might have church planting, some might have something else. But at the end of the day, the goal is the same. 
And that is to take the gospel and to make disciples out of all nations. How do you do that? Because at the end of the day, the objective is to change the world through the gospel, impacting and changing people's lives. Well, the scripture tells us we do that by making disciples out of people. It's a very Hebraic concept, isn't it? It's not quite Greek. But it's, very, it's, a very, it's a very, I'm just joking, it is kind of Greek. They stole it from the Hebrews. It's, very, it's a very Hebraic way of thinking about things about making a disciple out of somebody, and that discipleship making actually allows you to change somebody's life. Do you know that 86% of everybody that is born again and in the kingdom of God today, 86% were born again because a friend told them or somebody took them to a church service. 14% was saved through all the other ways you can preach the gospel. That's through television, through radio, through the printed tracts or whatever but 86%, if you are an investor and you get an 86% return or a 14%, where are you going to put your money at? It's academic, isn't it? It's very simple. Jesus told us to make disciples out of all nations. And you can know, you know when you're having an effect. You know when you've actually achieved this. The reason I'm talking about this today is because not only do I believe the Spirit of God wants me to, I read, I said, what are you going to teach on today? And I said, I feel like it's an eclectic mix of stuff. You know, when an airplane's coming into land, it can see all these different runways. I just kind of feel like I've been trying to find, I land on one, run, one way and I pick up and I go and land on another one. But that's okay. How, how, why is it that the Lord told us to make disciples? It seems like making a disciple is a very slow process to go through. And how do you know when you get there? How do you know you've actually accomplished that? Go to Luke's Gospel, chapter 40, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 6, there no, it's not 40. Luke's Gospel, chapter 6. In verse number 40, somebody want to, um, I don't have this verse actually written, written down, so can someone just read it out for me? Loretta, you want to read the verse? What does it say in your scripture? A student is not greater than the teacher. But the student who works hard or the student who is fully trained will become, or the, the disciple that's fully trained will become like or as his teacher. You know when you've succeeded when your, te- when your students become like you. Thank you for that one amen back over here. Can I get another? Uh, okay, I see that hand. Thank you, I see that hand. Anybody else? I'm trying to give you the secret to how we're going to change the world. I want to, I have to have, uh, Mark, why don't you come up here and help me for a second. Mark's going to help me. I'm just going to kind of give you a, an illustration of how we can change the world. Okay. Would you stand right, right over there? Thank you very much, you little Greek fella. All right, now. <laughs> this will be an ongoing theme for the next uh, few uh, services. We're together. Now, Jesus says he wants us to make disciples. How many know that when Jesus told us to make disciples, not only did he tell us to do that, but then he gave us an example on how to do it by his own life. And what did he do? He took 12 men and he invested his life into them. They, they went camping together. They went walking together. They went fishing together. They, they talked taxes. They talked politics. They, they did life together. And for three and a half years, he poured into 12 men who the Bible says, then they turned the world upside down. Notice it doesn't say the multitude turned the world upside down that he ministered to, but it was the 12 guys that turned the world upside down. You see, if you do things in Bible ways, you get Bible results. If we do what they did, we can have what they had. But if we don't do what they did, we have no right to expect to see what they saw. 
And I'm all about being someone who, who reads what the Word says and then actually sees it happening in our life. And when it's not there, you have to, you have to, you have to go after that thing. Do not let go of what the Word says you can have. The enemy is so good about getting us distracted off of what our focus is supposed to be. Don't let him do that to you. The Bible says we should not be ignorant of the devil's devices. Have you ever noticed, as soon as you sit down to pray, all of a sudden you think about the window shade needs to be dusted. Or, or that never occurs to me. Uh, that occurs to other people in my family. But, but, you know, for me, it might be something completely different. But have you ever noticed he's the, the, he's the artist or the great author of distraction? So when we get on a particular topic, we cannot allow the enemy to get us off. Now, we're just going to pretend here for a moment. We're going to, he and I, our objective is to change the world. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to change the world. He's going to have one method. And I'm going to have another method. My method is going to be making a disciple out of somebody. His method is going to be reaching as many people as he possibly can at one time. So, let's just pretend here for a moment that he is going to reach a million people a year. Is a million a good number for you? That works. Okay, a million people a year for the Lord. That's almost, that's about 3,000 people a day he is going to see born again. That's pretty good. You might want to support his ministry, right? A million people a year, 3,000 people a day. I, on the other hand, am going to be over here, and what I'm doing is I'm just going to make a disciple out of one person a year and spend an entire year with that one person. That's all I'm going to do. And at the end of my year, at the end of his first year, he's going to win another million people the next year. At the end of my year, I'm just going to make another disciple out of one person. And my disciple that I already made, he's going to make a disciple out of somebody else. So we're just going to go through a simple equation and see how if we do things Bible ways, we just might get Bible results. So I'm going to stand here because I've got my numbers written down here, and you're going to stand right there, and we're going to walk through these years and see how effective the biblical pattern is in making a disciple. So in our first year, how many people have you won to the Lord? One million. Everybody give me a big hand clap. One million people. <laughs> Woo! That's a good number. And me, one. And myself. So I'll count two. Two of us. When you, when you have, thank you very much for those few applauses. You know, whenever you, whenever you uh, are just starting a church, which I've done many times, you know, you look for the smallest building possible because that way you can write a newsletter saying the building was packed. Because you, because you, you had 10 people, the building was packed. Oh, it, just, it, was, it was packed. I'm just kidding, I never did that. As a matter of fact, our church in Sweden, I, I rented a 550-seat auditorium. My first Sunday morning, I had three people show up. And when they sat down, they didn't sit in a row. They sat one at, on three rows, and they all sat one seat behind the next. So when I looked out, I just saw one person. <laughs> it was horrible. And I'm on a platform this high, you know. When we, and after that, we started our church. And the newspaper is there to take a picture of the new church that started in town. And the next day, we were on the front page of the newspaper. Right after service, two of those people jumped up and ran out like I had the plague or something. Gone. I couldn't even get off the platform to greet them. And I was left with one person. So I counted myself and my wife and my little boy and this one person. And on the front page of the newspaper, there it is, all four of us. Psh, new church starts in town. 
We had, oh man, we had this lady, her name was Ingrid Engelbrechtson. And Ingrid, she was the only church member I'd have coming to church. And listen, when you, ha when you have one person coming to your church, you've got to be really good in how you flow in the Spirit. Because, you know, when you have one person coming to church, your little preacher sayings don't work very well. Like, you can't say, now I'm not talking to anybody in particular here today. <laughs> because <laughs> you've got one. You know, you've got one. You are talking to somebody in particular. And how about this? Is there anybody here this morning you have a pain that's on the right side of your neck? Anybody at all? You got one. We used to, you know how quick it was to take up the offering in our church? I'll tell you, we would just kind of walk up to the one person, okay, let's take up the tithes and offerings. Woo. There you go. Let's go back again. Let's do that again. The Bible, the Bible says that Jesus watched people as they put money into the, the, the offering bucket. We were biblical. I would watch. There was one person. We knew who was tithing in our church and who wasn't tithing in our church. And at one point, we had 100% of our people tithing. Right. <sighs> okay. I'm now, okay, so my first year, I have two people. Me and my disciple, he has a million people plus himself. Now, he has 3,000 people a day being born again. How much time do you spend with all 3,000 people? Right. I, on the other hand, I, on the other hand, have a whole year I'm going to give to this one person. And at the end of this one year, guess what? I have got, I don't have a convert. I've got a disciple. And guess what? He's, he's tithing and he's faithful in the ministry of helps. Not that we have anybody for him to serve, but he's there if he's needed. Year two, how many have you got? Two million. And I have now four people. Because I can now go get somebody else, and my disciple gets somebody, four people. That's in year two. Year three? Three million. I've got eight people. But guess what? We're all tithers. We're quality people. You know what I'm saying? Year four? Four million. I'm 16 people. But we're all faithful, dedicated people. Five? Year five? Five million. Five million. I'm 64 people strong in five years. Mm-hmm. You're six? six million. I am 128 people. That's a pretty good church, 128 people. And we're all disciples. Every person had a whole year invested in them. Good people. Solid. Next year. Seven. Seven million people. I am now 256 people. I know a lot of churches in California that are over seven years old and they don't have 256 people in them. Sometimes when you try to reach the mass, you miss the individuals. If you go for the individual, you can change the whole nation without even trying to change it. Next year. Eight million. Eight million in eight years. I now have 512 people in eight years. I'm pretty far behind this guy. Next year. Nine million. Nine million. I am now at 1,024 people. In nine years. There's a little step back here just in case. I was, I was, I was not being lifted by the glow or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? Has Pastor Mike ever done that? Has he ever gone like this before? Nope. <laughs> Note to Pastor Mike, there's a step back here. Use it because it works. <laughs> now look. In, in nine years, all I've done is spent one whole year with one person. And in nine years, we're over a thousand people. And everybody, all 1,000, have had an entire year invested in their life. These are not converts. These are disciples. 
They've been held accountable to their life and the way they do things and how they think and how they speak and how they give and how they work. These are mature people. How many people? You said 8 million? What was your last number? Eight? You're ready to go on. Eight million. I wonder if he's had a church split yet. I haven't. Okay. Next year, year nine? Nine million. Nine million. I have 2,048 people. Year 10? Ten million. Ten million. I have 4,900 people in a decade. Over 4,000 people. Next year? 11 million. I have 8,192. Next year? 12 million. I have 16,384. Uh, Next year? 13 million. I have 32,764. Next year? I have, that's in 14 years, 14 million. I have 65,528 people. 65,000 people in 14 years. And all I've done is reached out to one person a whole year. In, in a decade. No, I'm sorry, in 14 years, right? 14. Okay, let's go to 15. 15 million. 15 million. He's still doing good. 15 million. I have now 13, I'm sorry, I now have 131,000 people. I'm not, I'm not going to give you the small numbers, I'm just give you the main numbers. Next year? I have 262 million, uh, 262,000 people. Next year? 17 million. 17 million. I now have 524,000 people in 17 years. Next year? 18 million. I have 1 million. I've made it. I have 1,048,000 people in how many years? 18. In 18 years. 1,048,000 people. Next year? 19 million. In 19 years, I now have 209, I'm sorry, I have 2,096,000 people. Next year? 20 million. 20 million. I have, I have 4,193,000 people. Next year? 21 million. 21 million. I now have 8,378,000 people. Next year? 22 million. In 22 years, you have 22 million. 22 million. In 22 years, I now have 16,775,000. What's your next one? I have 23 million. In 23 million, I mean, in 23 years, I now have 33 million. 550,000. What's wrong, boy? <laughs> Next year? 24 million. 20, is that it? That's all you got? <laughs> In 24 years, I now have 67 million. And you keep on following this through it. And actually, when we get up to year, I believe it's when we get to year 35, we've already reached the whole planet. See, if we do Bible things in Bible ways, we get Bible results. There's absolutely no reason why we're still trying to reach our communities and falling short of it. There's no reason why. If we, don't, if we follow the command of Jesus, live in the kingdom, speak the word of God, use the authority, focus on the individual, we can change Orange County, we can change California, we can change the United States of America. This is possible. I still believe in the God who can stop the sun. Do you? It's time for us to begin to pray those prayers where God stops the sun over our situations, over our finances, over our communities. This is very doable if we merely do Bible things in Bible ways. He made a good effort. He lost. Give him a big hand clap as he goes back to his seat. It's an amazing thing. I, Albert Einstein said this. He said one of, the, one of the great miracles of the world is the miracle of compound interest. 
how when you begin to compound, maybe, maybe Jesus knew what he was talking about when he told us what to do. At the end of the day, this is the point of the message today. We have a command, not a suggestion. The command is delegated to us by great authority, which we're meant to use and not just read about. We're to take that authority and use it to teach the message of Jesus, not just about the message of Jesus. And then to use the principle he gave to us in investing in individual lives and thereby bringing about the arrival of the kingdom for the king who has followers who are not just saved, but are also under the lordship of a Lord called the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads, please. Father, we're so thankful today for you and for your word. We're thankful, Father, for your plans and for your purposes. We ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would help us, Father God, to see and to know, to understand your plans, your purposes, your way, your will, Father, for our life. It is our desire, desire truly, Lord, to experience the fullness of your glory, the fullness of your plan, to walk out your will, to acknowledge your lordship in our life, to submit ourselves fully to your word, to doing things in your way. We confess, Father God, and we submit ourselves to you, Lord, and your desire to work in and through our lives this morning. There's somebody here today who says, I've never accepted Jesus as the Lord of my life. I've, I've, I believe he's the Son of God, that God raised him from the dead, but I want to confess him as Lord of my life today. This is my great desire. If you've never done that and you would like to, it would be my great pleasure, my privilege to pray with you. Can I see anybody's hand if you've never prayed that prayer before? Maybe you've believed this for a long time, but you've never actually prayed a prayer to accept the Lord. Amen. I kind of thought we might be all family here today. All right, well, let's stand up together then. And we're going to pray a prayer, and I'm just going to ask the Lord to drop something into your heart today. Take the hand of the person beside you. I want you to pray for one another as I'm praying for all of you as a whole. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray, Father God, right now. And I ask you, Lord, to drop into every heart, Father, in this place, Father, one individual, Father, a face, Father God, of one person, Lord, that you want them to begin to pray for, to go and to pursue them, Father God, in the spirit and in the natural, Lord, to bring the revelation of Jesus to them, Lord, to bring them into your kingdom, Father. I pray in Jesus' name, Father, for one life being brought into their, into their spectrum, one life, Lord, being brought into their heart, Father. Maybe they have to start with themselves, Father, but I pray, Lord, that they see, Lord, in Jesus' name, with your eyes, and they walk in your way. And I bless you for it, Father. And all the people who received that said together, Amen. God bless you all. Brother Mark.